0: You are listening to Seniors Junction podcast. We are working to eliminate seniors isolation, one conversation at a time. Your hosts today are Namrata Bagaria and myself, Paul Merkley. We are the co-founders of Seniors Junction and our special guest today is the CEO of Chartwell Retirement Homes Canada, Vlad Goldarsky. Welcome Vlad. Good morning. Could you, Charwell is very well known, of course, but but still, could you tell us a bit about yourself and your
1: business? Sure. Um, I've been with Charwell now for 17 years. November is going to be 18 years since 2003 uh, is when Charwell went public and listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange. It was a combination of three private companies that came together and then they acquired a few other homes um, and since that time Charvel grown to close to 200 locations across Canada. We actually used to have a US business as well that was we sold in 2015. Um, right now we're 200 locations across the Canada with uh, serving 30,000 residents and employ 60,000 people across the country. The focus of the company is to deliver exceptional personalized experience, to our customers. And to do that, we're trying to employ people who are driven and purposeful about that delivery of personalized experiences. This industry um, that, as I said, I've been part of for 17 years now, just continues to amaze me in that it attracts people for whom work with seniors is not just a job, it's not even a career. It really is a purpose and calling. And it hasn't been more pronounced um, than it was in the last 15 months during this pandemic. The heroism of our people, the resolve to keep our residents safe, um, engaged, and even entertained during this very difficult time where they could not see their own loved ones. Our our employees were providing them the supports and engagement in our homes they could not have obtained anywhere even and especially probably if they stayed in their own home um, because of that isolation that i'm sure we're going to be talking more about
2: that's amazing that's amazing and before i ask my next question on isolation i i wanted to understand when you've been 17 years in 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 an industry and in different roles how does that as an individual help you understand better and contribute better to the industry?
1: Well, this is one of the things that I think also keeps a lot of people in our sector. It is never static. It's always evolving and it's always something new. I can tell you even from sort of business perspective, when I started 17 years ago, most of our general managers in the homes were nurses who had very little business background and always been providing great support and services to the customers, to our residents, the families. But there was very little business sophistication when it comes to maintaining the building, creating the environment that is suitable for people, creating programs that help with isolation. They were great caretakers, but they were not really Um, more of strategic or holistic views of the operations didn't really present in every building. And over the years, these sector evolved and matured. I mean, it's it's relatively young sector. We have this sector as sort of business environment probably for 40 years or so. Before that, it didn't really exist. And so it's relatively young. It's still in sort of... you know, maturing stage, I would say. And so then we started employing people who are more business-oriented, who look more as they're holistically at, at providing services to the residents. And now with having 200 locations and having the support that we have on the corporate side, you can see the difference that it makes in how homes are run. First of all, Having a cohesive mission and values that sort of unite all locations together and all people together at Charwell is extremely important, but also that sophistication and support that national management platform can provide to our individual residences as becoming more and more important. So, you know, as you start thinking about building and putting all these blocks in place, it seems like 17 years is a long time, but when it involves now 16,000 people across the country, Uh, making a change is a long and very involved process that requires lots of planning and execution and change management. And that's what keeps it very interesting for most of the people in the sector. And and sector mature, I'm not talking just about Charvel. As sector matures, it grows, there's a number of larger companies and they all go through the same sort of um, evolution. Uh, and, And so being part of it is very exciting.
2: That's awesome. So now coming to my question is, how do you look at isolation? Uh, What are the pain points? And in your case, I would say, what are the pain points even as a business? Because everybody will tell us the psychological health. So not just that, but also from a business point, how is isolation impacting your business or or even the residents?
1: So one of the biggest challenges I think that we have as retirement residents, as operators is, That we operate in this environment where you look at any study that's been done, people would say they do not want to come, certainly not to the long term care, but certainly not to return homes. And so so we operate in this environment where those who do not live with us do not want to come with us. Those who do live with us tell us things like these are the best five years of my life. I wish I moved five years earlier. And, you know, this is my home. I'm never moving anywhere from here. And this last statement was from a person who won four and a half million dollars in the lottery. Actually, it's a true story, one of our residents did that. So how is that that those who experience, and I would say Charwell experience, no pun intended, and those who do not have such a divergent views, right? And so that's the challenge of Charwell and our sector is to convince those who have not experienced living with us uh, of the benefits of that, but it's a huge change for anybody like moving. And I know, you, know, you, you moved a lot and it was relatively easy for you, but when you're you know, in your seventies, eighties, it's not an easy decision, very hard decision for a person, for a family, um, yet it's still, I would say, significantly beneficial for health, mental health, isolation issues. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's isolated in their homes. I don't care how many friends you have or how many Zoom meetings you can have. It's, the question becomes one of purpose in life, one of engagement in life, one of interests. And you need to have an environment for them. You know, we'll talk maybe a bit later about how to solve these issues. I actually don't have any recipes, but one thing I do know, it's not going to be one solution for everything. It is going to be a combination of multiple different solutions. Your classes that you're offering is one of them. That's fantastic. There is maybe meaningful work, finding meaningful work for people who are after retirement age, and maybe it is caring for their friends who are the same age if they are able to do that, or engaging that on a different. I tell you the story. I was doing the. Um, we call it Listening to Serve You Better program in the summer of 2020, trying to understand people's experiences during the pandemic. And I had 12 sessions across the country with different residents and families just to talk with, to them about that and get feedback to see if we can get better uh, in preparation for the second wave of the pandemic. And one of the residents told me, you know what, I just took it upon myself to check in on four people who are frail in my retirement home because they had, they had been isolated in their rooms. They couldn't mingle because they had an outbreak. So she would call them every day, all these four people, just to talk to them about. And, and so that creates an environment where people are able to do that and either find meaning for themselves or both actually, find meaning for themselves and support others that are in the need of that support. So retirement homes offer that environment because you are in sort of one setting with your friends and you can build friendships. You can develop relationships, we have, you know, many stories of weddings of people getting together and finding their matches in their homes. And you have supporting care and staff to help you out when the help is required. So how do you create something like that for people who are in their homes? Technology is one of them. Certainly, you know, ease of access to these technologies, to these solutions is what extremely important. I find this with my parents, myself, I'm still working on trying to convince them that they need to move to Charwell, but you know, they don't speak English very well. They're immigrants. I sponsored them to come here in 97. And, um, you know, they have a still have a circle of Russian friends that they interact with. Um, but you could see that circle becoming smaller and smaller as time goes by and their needs progress. And accessing services that are available in the community to some degree is extremely difficult for them because of the language barrier, because it's just, you know, you go on the internet, you look, and there's Google search with a different things that you may or may not need. So that ease of access is difficult and needs to be solved for people who are uh, still in their homes. And that ease of access, arguably, at places like Charwell, is solved because it's all in one place. You can just go to the front desk and ask them to help you with whatever you, the help you need. Mm-hmm. you've
0: answered a lot of this question already with things you just said but could i ask for anything else you'd like to tell me about your vision of, of addressing this maybe you want to speak a little bit to what you think about
1: purpose yes i i think it's again creating this environment that is supportive for um, and I'll talk about Charvel specifically for our residents in, in these homes. Um, as I said, we look to deliver exceptional personalized experiences, and the word personalized been you know as we were coming with our um, strategy statement. We debated a lot um, that word because you know on one hand people could say, okay, well if it's you're saying it's personalized, then whatever the resident wants, you're gonna give it to them, right? Well, maybe not everything, but it's really for us to get to know our resident even before they become our resident to understand what exactly they are wants and desires are and then tailor service offering and often it's really not something specific that you need to do every day it's more about people's interests you know some people interested in art some people interested in building new connections with other people some people are interested in wellness and trying to mm-hmm. access these exercises or whatever other programs that are available so our drive is really to understand our residents and to tailor our service offering to what they really value, interested in, or wanna try if it's a new thing. And so I think that word personalized gotta be uh, prevalent in whatever solutions um, you as a new startup or anybody else is trying to come up because as I said, I believe it's not going to be one solution that's gonna solve yeah. this big problem. And yes, it's one big problem for pretty much all seniors out there but how you solve it will be different for every different people. Of course, there are trends, but people are all different. There are no two of us that are alike. And so I think solutions really need to be tailored to individual needs and wants. And that's what we're trying to do at Charwell.
2: Yeah, I think, I think a lot of what you spoke, it resonates with Paul and me because mm-hmm. we, we, yes, we're a new startup, but isolation is something we both have experienced firsthand. For me, it's more of a lifestyle choice because I work and travel in so many places, and that's the it comes along with it. Like you, you have to like kind of work your way through it, and then that's how you end up having a company in it through lived experiences. And then so, so is in Paul's case, but I think I just want to touch point upon. I think there is a spectrum between social connectedness to purpose. And as Paul and I were working through making our company's business model, uh, the very core structure model from which you can get off all your recommender systems or personalization services, right? There's a logic behind what you do. And and I think where we are understanding as we meet more people, talk to more people is first of all, you may have different kinds of life challenges. So that that's variable and that's within out of anybody's control. So that's... But what is very common uh, or what is very certain is the spectrum from how disconnected you are to how connected you are with purpose being the highest form of being connected because a purposeful person will not be disconnected. Now, yes, you could be introverted. You'd like different activities like you may read a book or go alone hiking. You know, So that's one piece of the understanding of your connectedness preference and your, which is you, who you are. And the, the second piece when it comes to companies like us, I think when we offer recreation online, that's a starting point for us because these are ways to sort of understand the person. But if you really see what happens is when you just do an activity without understanding how it's impacting your life. So the analytics is what our company is trying to be different with, Uh, you know, and and, and not because it's a company, it's also what we feel. Like we both are PhD in process, Paul's a PhD. We, we observe things differently. We, you don't just do a thing. Like for me, the podcast was the only way I could talk to another person. This podcast and the other one that I had before is an outcome of me trying to deal with my isolation living alone. If How do you meet people in the industry? How do you network for business? Or how do you even learn a new thing? All that, okay, let's try a podcast. Everybody, like, so for me, I think some people are very proactive and they can have those personalized in self-driven solutions, they may end up making a company or being volunteers, right? They're really, really uh, highly proactive. But even such people, they have certain areas in their life where they may not be very good, like say healthy eating or sleeping enough or all those kind of things. So at this stage, I think for me, as I see, there's isolation is, is so vast and so permeating that you may do well in one aspect of your life with it, like say, you know, you may be connected, but you may be lacking in personal care, self-care, because a lot of like we interviewed people and we find out that many seniors who move to senior homes eat better. Once they move into these residents, they gain weight, they do better. So I think those kind of things are very, very interesting for us to discover and over time then help companies like yourself and other retirement residents to really understand what's happening and also, understand that only five percent people live in their retirement homes the waiting list is off the roof so how can we translate then your experience and your expertise to the community and you know make a difference because many people want to age at home but the knowledge is there right so how do you translate to whatever is the best option available within that scenario um, so yeah I think given that it's it's I think you talked around personalization as the end purpose around the main things. What do you think are the motivators for solving this through this approach? And what are the challenges in this approach?
1: I just want to build on something you said about, you know, some people are more naturally inclined to search for engagement and purpose. and, And that is true. And it's probably a little easier for them to be more connected than for others. I also think that that drive probably not as strong as you get older, it's harder. And as the circles are getting smaller, it's getting harder and harder. And that's where the environment that people are in, I think matters a lot. And that's where, again, and you know, I'm certainly biased, so keep talking about charlotte or retirement residences. Yeah, yeah. That environment's already present in, in that setting and it's harder to do it from home. And so how do you do it from home Um, to to me, this is creating this ease of access and and not just sort of communication, I guess it is everybody can log in computer and Zoom call a friend or, you know, there are some resources probably in the community that they could reach or some clubs or, um, you know, Facebook groups or something like that. Um, I'm just not certain that that's the type of engagement that um, keep most of people going and interested and you know you talked about the purpose and what what is that purpose like once you know paul i i read your uh, newsletter and your story um, that is very personal about you know one day you were teaching and then the next day you're retired and uh you know your wife passed away and then what do you do like life is disrupted right all of a sudden probably two very important purposes in life um have changed now so um, i don't know as i said like there's no easy solution to that and and I, you, you solved it or continue solving it for yourself well and, and kudos to you with with this engagement and all, all the other activities that you're doing once again it's going to be personal for everybody so how do you make it easier for people that's really should be the question not how to solve it because everybody will have to take some action to solve it for themselves yeah but how do you make environment more conducive to people's ability to solve and I don't know, technology is part of it, I suppose. You know, ability, I was thinking about it a lot. We haven't done anything about it, at Charwell just yet. But but it's the purposeful engagement to me or to a lot of people uh, means work, right? People go to work and they find purpose in, in what they do. And, and, you know, who says at 65, people cannot be doing work or at 70 or 75 and some do. And so, Is there any ways to create more opportunities for people who retired or semi-retired to continue to retain that purpose through being gainfully employed and doing things that benefit the society? And the reality is, I think, that we have actually, as a society, no choice. I mean, they're talking about by 2030 something, there's going to be only two working people for every retired person. So society has no choice but to... Mm ask the retired people to continue to participate in the workforce in some shape or form. And that will create benefit for society that we create engagement and purpose for retired people as well. Mm -hmm. Again, how you do it, I don't know. I don't have any recipes for you guys, but I I think that's why you're here and trying to figure it out.
2: Yeah, sure. But that's a great answer. And I have like two points to this. It's just such a great conversation, but I have like two things that came to my mind. so if you look at our vision and mission, we say um, social connectedness is a skill. And this came from like trying to eat better, trying to move better It's the same thing, being purposeful or connecting is a skill, it has a spectrum. And one of the key things, if you look at habit building or any kind of life changing behaviors, the first thing is you need to have an optimal environment and if not, you have to work on that environment. Because, so if you're going to, you know, have friends who eat a lot of junk food, you're going to gain weight, right? So so that that's proven research. The only difference is you're cross-applying that from one domain, let's say healthy eating or whatever, to now purposeful connection. And that's why we focus on engaging on a continual basis. Like our programs are not one time only, you have an eight-week event so that, you know, it takes time to be, decide to be friends with someone. Sometimes, yes, you have the spark, but that's not all the time. So that's, on purpose, our infrastructure is social by design. So we really put efforts. And the second part about gainful employment. So most of our faculty members are retired seniors themselves uh, because these are professors or doctors, you know, who have so much of it. And the workaholics previously by nature, they don't even know what else to do. You know, um, so what <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, Paul, you have like- No, it's he, fair. It's he, fair you, comment. You it's are, okay. Comment. And, and usually the typical is like, they'll take two, three years off once they're retired, let's say, do everything they want. And then it comes back, okay, what should I do with myself? Uh, and I, I think I know Paul precisely for three years now, so I can say that's what exactly happened with this guy. So, uh, and for me, the the good thing is like, I learned so much without having to live those experiences. So when you have intergenerational teams, and our interns are teenagers like you know they're in second year engineering or third year engineering so we learn something else there so in a day we're working with people aged 19 to 94 right and the amount of things we are doing okay trying to figure out okay who's teaching okay this person needs tech support okay what does this person needs okay so i agree tech is by the way and firstly it's COVID, so there's no nothing else i can do but do it but if you look at scalability and if you look at the next generation of Seniors who are going to come and retire, even in retirement homes, are highly tech savvy. They have like it wouldn't fly off the bat. Like my my mother is she's sixty now, but she 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 uses everything right, Alexa and Google Home and this and that. She can make it all talk to each other. She's really high tech, uh, and maybe influenced by of course having a daughter who's crazy about tech, so <laughs> it 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 rubs off. But uh, I think I think what you said is fair point. I think there is no solution. It's, it's the environment, and it's not just the environment within companies. It's also at now the public health in me is saying it at a policy level, right? Because if you look at uh, the tenets of Canadian healthy aging, right? They are like what healthy eating, social connectedness, don't uh, like quit smoking, drinking, move more. But then the, there's nowhere housing, there's nowhere the environment, the community, you know, like you have a walkability score, but you don't have a connectivity score. And now it's only in the pandemic, you see companies are now finally delivering groceries or chores that you need to have, you know, people can come and do, versus in different societies, uh, which are not like in different countries, these things are more available, like gig economy is now catching up in Canada, it wasn't something uh, that was there. So I think a lot of factors as an economy, as as a, a post COVID world, we won't have a lot of Things that we see now, and we also don't know what that is. It's just conjecture, but I think there will be a difference, and uh, and you know. So I agree with you. So yeah. <laughs> so, so Paul.
0: Yes. And I just I have I have another question, but you've partly answered that. So I just wanted to sneak in a question. You touched on self-efficacy, or what I would call self-efficacy. Um, do you think it can be learned or modeled or do you think that it's just innate?
1: Well, tell me more about what, what do you, what do you call self-efficacity?
0: Well, so, so let's say when someone is, is widowed, do they just resign themselves? Do they make efforts? Do they learn about efforts they could make and make those efforts? Uh, Do they persist in those efforts? Do they, in the end, succeed to some extent? To me, these are questions of whether you're doing something efficacious for yourself or whether you're unwilling to do it. I I know people who were widowed who really weren't willing to do a thing,
1: even when they understood the importance of it. Yeah, and, and again, I we are talking about people. I, I actually don't think this conversation is limited to older adults or seniors. Uh, I mean everybody's different. You can have people who are married and employed, but they're also not doing things that are good for themselves and they're resigned to, you know, whatever lifestyle they have. So it's not unique. And and the answer is it depends. It depends on the person and you you have stories of tremendous Recovery from very dramatic life events, and you have stories of people who are, you know, resigning and, and not, um, not able to recover when um, crisis happens. Um, you know, when it's more uh, common, like this COVID crisis, I think people will recover holding hands together, and. Again, environment is important, I would say, in in our residences, despite of all this negative media and things that we had to go through. um, Those who are there, I think, are coming out of there together and celebrating together and being closer together, just like that person that I talked to you about who chose to call for their friends to make sure they're okay every day so that at least they have the company of, of that phone call when they were completely isolated. I think supportive environment helps, but at the end of the day, Paul, as you're saying yourself, it's up to the person. Good, you thank know, you. As much as possible, up to a point, creating that ease of access to if people are at home to access the services and communities and circles and friends, um, to the extent we can facilitate that in some shape or form through for technology or other means for sure it'll make a difference. Um, But if somebody's resigned that they, you know, are not gonna avail themselves of those services, there's not really much you can do. I would hope that majority of the people, um, and even if it's not the majority, it's still worth trying, right? Like even if you do change the life of one person or
0: help to change life of one person, then it's worth trying. Maybe maybe another person sees it and gets the spark, catches the bug. Yeah, well, could I just ask then, um, and again, you've partly answered, but do you have, what advice would you have
1: for a a new company like us? Yeah, I'm not the greatest with advice, um, but I think things that we talked about, um, that that whatever solutions we're trying to make, really need to figure out to make them personal, and um, I think focus more on creating the environment as opposed to Um, you know, telling people what to do and how to solve their problems, because uh, at the end of the day, it's up to them. And also, what it what it is up to them may be different from one person to another. So you're trying to sort of come up with one thing that you think is going to solve this problem of isolation, which is a huge problem. We all know the impact that it has on mental health on physical health of people. Um, The solutions, though, um, are have to be complex and multiple. And so, if people focus on creating that environment, um, then I think it, it will make it easier for people to solve these problems for themselves. Thank you very much. Thank
2: you. And I think this is a redundant question in your case, but I'm going to ask you because we ask everybody. So I want to be fair. Uh, if people want to find you or find about Chartwell, where should they look up?
1: Well, chartwell.com is our website. My personal um, phone number, 905-501-4709 or bvolodarskihcherville.com.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Vlad. This was such a great yeah. conversation.
1: Thank you very much for this conversation. It is my pleasure. Great to meet you both.
2: Thank you.